Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. So I'm going to be reading 1 Peter 5, 1-14. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock, that is, under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, You who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ. And I'll pray for Matthew before he speaks. Lord, I pray um, today for Matthew as he speaks, just that you'll be with him and you'll be with everybody listening online and in person, that we'll hear everything that he has to say and that you'll open our hearts and, yeah, we'll just take it all in. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Becca. Good afternoon, church. It's uh, so, so good to be here. If I haven't met you before, I'm Mappy. I serve here as the assistant pastor. And we're literally finishing up our first series of 2022. So I don't know if you guys feel like the year is going fast, but man, we're almost in March. And it was my birthday in 18 days' time, just to take a note. So we're finishing up our first series on First Peter. It's been a nine-week series. It's called Aliens and Strangers, as we've considered what it looks like to live as Christians in a hostile culture. And so as we come to finish off the series this evening, we're going to shine a spotlight on leadership, on leadership, because that, that's what Peter does as he brings this letter to a close in chapter five. So re- regardless of, of whether it's on the other side of the world or whether it's in our country or whether it's even in our doorstep, we hear stories of, of abusive power. We hear stories of sex scandals, domineering, manipulative forms of leadership. We, we hear all of this. We see it in the news. We see it in the churches. There's a real problem with leadership. There's an issue with leadership. We don't trust our governments. 
We don't trust our councils. It seems that everybody is out to line their own pockets and we're left cynical and we're left disillusioned. And, and why wouldn't we be? Why, why shouldn't we be? Now, the abuse by, by pedophile priests in the Catholic Church in Ireland and across the world in the last 50 years has come to light. As the light has shone on it, we've begun to see it for what it is. Or maybe it's the Erectus Golf Society scandal in Clifton. Only last year, our, our leaders simply couldn't uphold the standards that they themselves set. Or maybe in the past it was the nationwide cover-up of the abuse in the mother and children's homes as a means of preventing shame upon the families. Or perhaps it's the abuse of leadership that's, that's come to light in the evangelical church Mars Hill in America, where a pastor with no accountability and a heavy-handed tactics abused his position and abused his power for well over a decade. Or maybe it's a scenario that I was raised in whenever I was a kid in a church that was split in half over a sexual abuse allegation against the minister where half the church stood up and clapped and the other half stood up and left. Why am I saying this? There's absolutely no tribe that's untouched. There's no tribe that's untouched. Abuse is rampant. Toxic leadership can be found in every and any culture. And it's even in the church. And so while we're seeing worldly, sinful leadership play out around us, how can we tell a better story in Dublin in the 21st century? And I'm convinced that Jesus has called us to lead well and to live well, that our society around us, that Dublin around us, may see the glory of God. And I think Peter can help us with that. We're called to lead well as an example. We're going to see that in one to four. But we're also called to live well under authority. Live well in humility. Live well with vigilance. And live well to God's glory. And so as Peter finishes the letter, he begins to address different groups. You, you can see in the paper in front of you, he addresses three different groups of people. The first is to the elders. And the second one is to young men. And then the third one is to everybody. And, and Peter, an apostle, he designates himself as an elder. It's interesting, he addresses them not as his, not, he's not the superior, even though he's an apostle, he addresses them as an elder, he addresses them as one of them. And he says to them, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Be shepherds of God's flock, it's under your care, watching over them. Church, I don't know what your picture of shepherding looks like, and I look over here at Johnny and Will, and you guys are going to correct me. But generally, there's these two pictures. The first one is fairly modern, where you'll go behind the animals, you'll round them up. Perhaps it's in the quad, perhaps it's with the alkaline pipe, and, and, and you're giving them a slap, you're keeping them in line, you're making sure they stay together and get where they need, you need them to go. But the, the picture of shepherding that's presented in the Bible is that of somebody who leads, that's somebody actually walking out in front. Somebody with a, a, an even better relationship with the flock. The animals know the shepherd and ultimately they follow. He doesn't have to beat them. He doesn't have to chase after them. He doesn't have to force them to go in a particular way. But rather there's this bond. There's a trust. There's a mutuality between the shepherd and the animals. The shepherd cares for them. He, he wants to bring them to good grass. He wants to give them good food. He wants to protect them from wolves. He wants to protect them from any form of danger. The shepherd looks after the animals for their own good. And it's this kind of come and follow me leadership. 
Remember who said that? Remember Jesus to Simon and Andrew? He says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. We're beginning to see that Peter's call to leadership is modeled on another shepherd leader. But do you notice though, it's, it's actually God's flock that's under the care of the elders. It's not the elders' flock. It's God's church, it's not the leader's church. There's no sense of possession here that's so often found in modern day church leaders. And so ultimately, Peter tells the elders that they are to lead and look after the church that God has given them. So it's God's church and they're actually to tend her. And so how are they to lead God's church? That's the question. There could be so much in this. There could be strategy. We could have a philosophy. We could have style. We could have goals. We could have regimes. But no, Peter rather lists three pairs of contrast and motivations. Watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing. Not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be. Church, our motives are absolutely critical. Our leaders' motives are absolutely critical. If the church's leaders are serving out of a sense of duty, then there's going to be this attitude that comes in that says, well, I have to do this because, well, there's no other option. Or, sure, no one else will do it. I may as well. Or, well, I, I'm paid for this, so, so I, I got to go and do this. And with this wrong motivation, this sense of duty can creep in. But ultimately, our church leaders should be serving out of a sense of calling and not compulsion. It could be an internal compulsion, perhaps, serving um, out of a sense of guilt or out of a sense of, uh, of need to validate oneself. I'm serving because I need to do this to make me feel better. Or it could be this external compulsion that, that comes about whenever you, you, as a leader, you bump into somebody in the congregation and then you, you need to make yourself look busy to try and, and validate the, the money that they're paying you for the job you're doing. Or maybe it's to be seen to be good in the community or good among your peers. Nevertheless, it's so easy to slip into this motivation of, of compulsion, whether it's internal or external. But ultimately, leaders in God's church are called to serve, not because they have to, but because they're willing with a real desire to serve. So devotion over duty. And secondly, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Besides compulsion or serving simply out of duty, greed is another unhealthy and a terrible motivator. As the elders in the church are not to serve in order to gain a profit, but rather they're to do their work eagerly. Do you see the difference in motivation? One is to gain a profit, and one is to do their work eagerly. Ultimately, elders are to be more concerned with what they're imparting to God's people than what they can take from God's people. And so leadership should never be undertaken for what it brings to the leader, financially or otherwise, but rather as one who's eager to serve others. It's like seeing the job application for the leader in the church or the leader in the business, and your eyes go straight to what's the salary, what's the stipend, what can I get out of this? And do you see how countercultural this is already, what Peter is saying? Leadership is for the privilege of serving others, not what you can take from others. And we begin to see this picture of, of, of servant-hearted shepherd leadership that Jesus modeled so well. The one that came and actually gave away power, the king that came and gave away power. He didn't come to assume power, but he came to give it away. He came not to be served by others, but to serve others. And it leads us on to the third motivation, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And so maybe this is even more apparent in our world where, where leadership positions are, 
They're not just acquired for the financial gain, but for personal prestige and for power. Maybe it's for the title. Very often, whenever I go to conferences and different bits and pieces and people ask who I am, they're like, hey, I'm Maffey. What do you do? I serve on the staff team here at Christ City Church. If I'm to jump straight in with a a title, I'm the assistant pastor, it could well be seen as pretentious. I don't want to show people who I am. I want people to see who I am. You know, personal prestige and power are so rampant and we've got to be so careful as leaders. And so Peter urges the elders to lead by example and not by authoritative domination. And it's no different than today because power is addictive. Power leads to unhealthy and unworthy motives. It distorts decisions that were always to be made through the leading of the Holy Spirit. The picture of leadership we see in the New Testament is that of one who is eager to serve, modeled first by the one that Peter followed. And so Peter can say this because Peter saw this. Peter can encourage the elders to live with this way because he saw it first modeled in Christ. And so back in the, in the upper room, the night before Jesus was crucified, in John 13, it says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Wow! He was in control. And that he had come from God and he was returning to God. He knew his identity. He was so sure. He was so secure. So what did he do? So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around them. Wow, what a picture of servant-hearted shepherd leadership. Let's fast forward to this weekend. This weekend I watched with a mixture of amazement and horror as Ukraine came under military attack from Russia. I struggled to digest what I was seeing. I was flicking through RTE News, I was on BBC News, I was on Russia Today, I was on Twitter just updating to see what's going on. I can't get my head around it. But there were two things this weekend that stood out for me. And the first is, is the president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky. And whenever fake news began to stream out that, that he'd, been, he'd been offered a, a passage safely out of Ukraine, whenever he, w- he was thinking of, of bailing on his people, whenever this news began to stream out, what did he do? He took to the streets and he held a phone up. He turned the camera around and he began to video himself. He began to encourage his people to be brave. He began to say to them to resist the enemy and to stand firm. And the second is a message that came from a missionary couple in Ukraine. And do you know what they said? They sent this message back to their supporters here in Ireland. And they said, we are not leaving. How can we? As an elder, my responsibility is to shepherd at all times. It would be a terrible testimony to get up and leave. We've been preparing for this day. We've brought in generators, fuel and food as we would like to accommodate and feed those who face hardship. And he goes on to say, as we close, the military jets can be heard overhead. And he says, we are not any braver than you, but confident we are where God would expect us to be. Christ City Church, here are leaders who lead by example. Not because they must, but because they're willing. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but because they're eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to them, but being examples 
And Peter continues in verse 4. If you look at the sheet, it says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Back into the context of the local church, the primary motivation for all elders is this, that when the chief shepherd appears, when Jesus appears, his victor's crown will be their reward. And here at CCC, we believe that the local church is to be led by a group of elders. And this is the model that Jesus has given us. This is a vehicle that he has chosen to carry his name and renown to the nations. Stephen Leanne have been in, in Dublin 10 years now. The church is like eight or nine years old. And in time, we want to establish a group of elders to oversee this church, to oversee Christ City Church. Presently, Steve is our only elder and he's supported by our leadership team. And the leadership team will bring accountability. They'll bring strength and they'll bring a sense of balance when it comes to decision making. But in time, we want to establish elders. Elders who will lead by example, not because they must, but because they're willing. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Elders who are not to lord it over those entrusted to them, but elders who are examples to the flock that's under their care. And so it's crucial that elders are to live well, or they're to lead well by example, but there's this shift that comes now in, in verse 5, as Peter begins to address young men. And so the elders are called to lead well as an example, but there's this shift where we're all called to live well, but under authority. And so those in leadership are called to lead by example, but Peter doesn't even finish there. And he goes on to address two more groups, young men and then everybody. And growing up, I often thought that I knew better. I know better than my peers. I know better than my mom and dad. I thought I knew better than my pastor, my leader. I thought I knew better than my school teachers. And the, and the joke of it all was they actually lived a life before they did what they were doing. They've lived a life. They knew the crack. They knew what it was. And there was me, this young foolish lad who thought that he knew best. And he went his own way because he knew best. It's nearly as if I'm thinking that all, all these people that were older than me had never actually lived a life before. But yet we're called to live well under authority. We're called to live well in submission to those who lead us. And authority and submission aren't words that many young people have in their vocab nowadays. We'd rather associate ourselves with freedom, with independence, and with our rights. But ultimately, submission isn't about not wanting our own way, but it's rather about giving our way to somebody else. And it's easy for me, it's easy for Maffy to chat about it, but if you've ever tried to pull out in front of me when I'm driving, I find it tough to submit. <laughs> and that is the reality, I find it tough to submit. They shouldn't be pulling out in front of me. I have the right of way. Submission, church, is me giving you the right of way. Me giving way for somebody else. I might have the right to drive on, but I don't exercise that right. Instead, I give my right of way to somebody else. I give my right of way to somebody else. And Peter continues with this incredible verse, and I'm so glad that backs us up. And it says, instead, clothe yourselves with humility. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes Maffey whenever he exercises his right of way and does not give way to somebody who is looking out. We're called to live well under authority. 
but we're called to live well under authority in humility. And so in one of his letters, Augustine implored his friends to hold himself in all he did, first with humility, second with humility, and thirdly with humility. Because if humility does not proceed and accompany and follow every good work that we do, then pride will creep in and distort our pleasure. Verse 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And here is the crux of the message. Church, we can live in submission to those in authority. We can submit to our elders and our leaders in the church even when it's tough knowing these two promises. One, we are under God's mighty hand and two, he cares for you. I don't know who needs to hear that this afternoon, but I want to tell you this, God cares for you. Yes, you. He knows you. He knows your every need. The call is to hand it over to God. When Emma and I got COVID in the, in the run-up to Abigail's birth, we knew that our period of isolation would finish after Emma's due date, and there is this very real possibility I wasn't going to get into the hospital to witness the birth of my first child. But with this also came an incredible freedom because I was out of control. I had no control over this. I had no control when I would get my two negative tests. I had no control whatsoever whenever Emma's waters would break. I was literally a passenger. And I tell you this, church, there is a freedom from coming knowing that you're not in control. And the freedom comes from living in submission because it's simple. If God is God, then God is God. And if God is God, then I'm not. And I don't need to try to be. Therefore, I can be humble. Therefore, you and I can trust in him. What is it that you need to let go of and find freedom in Christ? Because I can tell you this, in letting go and finding freedom in Christ, it makes submission to those in authority not just possible, but even beautiful. And so even in the hardship and even in the, in the suffering, and living in a, in a culture hostile to Christian worship, a culture hostile to Christian thought, a culture hostile to Christian value, we can choose to trust Jesus. Why? Because he is our servant king. He is our servant-hearted shepherd leader. He's the one that cares for you. So we can live well under authority. We can live well under authority and in humility. But we also do this with vigilance. That should have an extra click. Verses 8 and 9, is, it's a complete change of tone, change of pace. After telling them to be, don't, don't, not to be worried, and after telling them to cast all their cares on the Lord, he goes on ahead to tell them that be alert and be of sober mind. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour Wow, what a thing to hear after being told uh, to, to, to stand firm. What a thing to be told to, to, to be humble. What a thing to be told after being told to cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Be vigilant. Don't let your guard down. Stand firm. In the past, Peter has spoken about the fiery trial and the persecution that these guys are going to have to face as followers of Jesus. But yet trials have outcomes. And this is a reality for you and I. Trials of outcomes, real testing, carries with it the possibility of failure. It carries with it the risk of failure. 
The testing of believers is also a sifting to identify who, or who, who's genuine and who is not. And church, we all fail. We all fall short. But yet Peter is encouraging his church, stand firm, resist the devil. Peter's adding a fresh perspective that the family of believers around the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Our family of believers in Ukraine are undergoing the same kind of suffering. It is far more intense. The intensity is ramped up the same kind of suffering. It's a persecution. One of the most powerful pictures I've saw in the last week is on the screen behind you. At 7 a.m., a group of Christians taken to the streets of Kiev on their knees in prayer. In the face of attack, their best defense is found in Christ. In the face of attack, their best defense is found in Christ. Their best options are humbled, submitted, vigilant knees prostrated before their heavenly Father. These guys have prostrated themselves. They've, they've done 1 Peter 5, 5 to 9. They've done this. They're modeling it. And why are they doing it? They're doing it for the glory of God. They're living well to the glory of God. And so Peter's saying, to those of you who have resisted the devil, here's a promise. During a period of affliction, God is going is to do, do four things. He's going to restore you. He's going to make you strong. He's going to make you firm. He's going to make you steadfast. Which of them do you need today? During a period of affliction, God is going to do this to those who resist. Christ said to church, we can only live well for the glory of God because we first have a Savior who has gone before us. In Jesus, we have one who is led well by example, the one that came to serve and not be served. In Jesus, we... We see the one who not only sees what his father sees, but he also does what his father does. He's one who lived well in submission. Jesus is one who lived well under the authority of the father, even though it took him to Gethsemane, even though it took him to a place of incredible anxiety. He lived under the authority of his father, and he went to the cross for you and I. We live in a broken world, we live in a world with a real leadership crisis. And my encouragement for you today is not for you to be a better leader or for you to be a better follower, but for you to lift your eyes and to draw close to Jesus, our ultimate shepherd king. And so I don't know where you find yourself, whether it's in a leading role or whether it's in a submitting role, but let's continue to follow Christ's example. If you're a leadership if you're in leadership here, if you're in the leadership at Christ City Church, if you're leading one of the servant teams, maybe you're leading a city group, maybe you're, you're actually leading a group of friends, if you find yourself in a place of leadership, I want to encourage you to follow Christ's example. If you find yourself under authority, if you find yourself in submission to the church, and if you're struggling, I want to encourage you to follow Christ's example. To exercise submission and humility as Christ himself submitted to the Father. You know, when, when Jesus was on the cross, he, he, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want to tell you this. The Father did not turn his face away. The Father's relationship with the Son was still a relationship with the Son. The Son's relationship with the Father was still that same relationship with the Father. Except the Son came under submission to the Father. The Son gave up his life for you and I, that we may go free.
And what do we do with our freedom? We lead well by example and we submit well to the leaders that God has established. And so Christ of the Church, can I encourage you to stand with me as the band comes back up? We're going to sing a couple of songs to finish. And it's my prayer that, that you and I would be, would be tellers of a better story in Dublin. We'd be tellers of a better story in Dublin. Amidst the chaos and amidst the toxic leadership, whether it's in, in college, whether it's in the workplace, whether it is in, in the news, and whether, whether it's in, in your family histories, we've an opportunity to tell a better story because of the one that we follow. So will, will, will you close your eyes with me? And, and if you feel comfortable, you feel free to hold out your hands. Jesus, we recognize that you are our ultimate servant king. You are our shepherd that has went before us. And we declare right now that the Lord is our shepherd and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. Jesus, we recognize that you are our good shepherd. And we, your leaders, are your underlings. We are your, your under shepherds. And we, your congregation, are your followers. And we choose to submit ourselves to you, to your rule and to your reign and to your kingdom today. Believe in Jesus that you want to tell and you want to show a better story here in Dublin through this local church that our society may see the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.